It's the Stinkin' Truth Podcast with Mark Schlereth, presented by Core Water. Hey, welcome in, Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Mark Schlereth alongside Mike Evans, Scott the Hub, producing the show. Well, I think our uh, our presenting sponsor, the fine folks over at Core Water. I'll tell you what, Core Water, uh, for all your hydration needs, perfectly balanced to, to match your body's natural hydration of 7.4 i don't even know what that means but i'm telling you what it works it is delicious award-winning taste it's crisp it's clean big blue cap that's how you find it core water hydrate with core.com for more information and i'm telling you what you're gonna love this water welcome into the program hey mike how are you buddy man i'm good i'm good you know we're we've been into broncos camp for a, a full week now and all right. these other camps are getting started around the uh, NFL, but man, we're missing some key guys. And I, you know me, I hate to give you credit because you know what that does. Uh-huh. That, yeah. that just, I mean, that makes your already insufferable ego that much more. But right. you predicted this. You said back when Antonio Brown was going through all his shenanigans when Le'Veon Bell was holding out. You said, you just watch. There will be a copycat effect. And and look at what's happening right now. Uh, no Michael Thomas with the Saints. No Zeke Elliott with Dallas. No Jadavian Clowney with Houston. Melvin Gordon hanging out with the Chargers. Uh, holding out with the Chargers. Trent Williams. Uh, I mean, we got a lot of guys holding out right now with camps right. underway. Yeah, and a, like Ezekiel Elliott didn't make the team plane. So the Dallas Cowboys, um, the, they they train in California, I think Oxnard, California, or something like that. But so they always, you know, get a team plane. They head out to California. They've been doing this forever, and it used to be because they trained right down the street from the Oakland Raiders and Jerry Jones and um, you know Jerry Jones and and Al Davis at the time. Kind of Al Davis was Jerry Jones' mentor, and and they've stayed there and they've been in California. Uh, gosh, ever since I can remember. But the, the bottom line is uh, Zeke Elliott doesn't make the plane. He still has two years left on his rookie contract. And so he doesn't make the plane because, you know, he wants to get paid. And, like, there's a couple of different things here. Like, if you're the Dallas Cowboys, one, you know, Zeke Elliott's been suspended. Every time he goes out, you know, there's a potential of him getting in a fight, you know, and, and people want to – I mean, and it's not all his fault. People want to challenge him, right? And you're you're a competitive dude and people are challenging you you know you're not going to back down and you've got to learn how to back down he just came back from the principal's office at park avenue met with roger Goodell a month ago or so so you know i understand kind of your hesitation and the hesitation also built in because the running back position but you know this really to me is more more than anything this is the players association back in 2011 screwing the rookies that were coming in that hadn't done anything yet by by agreeing to this rookie wage deal that these guys are getting screwed. Think about the running back position, Mike. Number one, the average NFL player, and this hasn't changed in six decades, right? The average NFL player plays for 3.4 years. The running back position, as you know, it, it is probably the one position in football that has the shortest shelf life just because you're getting crushed by multiple guys all the time. You're getting hit, right? And now you're a running back who gets signed in the first round, so you're an exceptional guy coming out of college, and now they have you locked into this rookie wage, controlled salary, slotted salary for five years because they get the fifth-year option, and then even if you're still really good, they could theoretically franchise you the next two years. You'll never get into a second, a, a quote-unquote, second, you know, contract. 
And so I don't blame the running backs for saying, hey, guys, up yours. I want to get my second contract. I want to get paid. But, like, if I'm operating a franchise, Mike, and, and I'll put it to you, say you're the general manager of a franchise, why would you ever pay a running back? Why would you ever get into a second contract? Why would you ever pay a running back? Well, wouldn't you be petrified by what is going on with Todd Gurley? Yes. You'd be petrified right now, right? Gurley gets the big deal, and he gets hurt, and it it basically short-circuits uh, the, the Rams' chances of winning a Super Bowl. And so that that would be the, the number one example that I point to and say, whoa, 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 no matter how dynamic this guy is, he's one injury away from becoming irrelevant, and do I want to be stuck with the tab? So I can I can see why the Chargers, the Cowboys, anybody when it comes to a running back is like looking at Todd Gurley and saying, not us. Yeah. Well, not going to be us. Yeah, and, and people will say, well, I mean, C.J. Anderson came in and he ran the ball really well. And he really? They scored three points in the Super Bowl. Right, yeah, yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying is they'd be like, yeah, but he had 100 yards in, you know, three of the four games, he said, whatever it was, right? And and I would just say, listen, man, like there comes a time, and, and, and I'll give you credit for this because you really kind of changed the way, uh, a little bit of the way I think about how defensive coordinators – Every defensive coordinator I've ever talked to, Mike, and and this goes like when I all the way back to when I was playing. Now calling games, talking to guys, like every one of them will tell you if you interview a defensive coordinator, like what's your first priority? Stop the run. Got to stop the run. We're gonna stop the run. Like and like if you got Todd Gurley, you know what? Yeah, it's legit. We we need to stop Todd Gurley. But if you got C.J. Anderson, you're like, hey man, we're gonna let C.J. get his because. There's not a lot of explosive plays. Like, he may average seven yards a carry, but, you know, but there's not going to be the – we don't have to worry about the 60-yard breakout, like, with C.J. So, if C.J. beats us, you know what, that's on us. We're not going to let this passing game beat us. And so, I think your attention maybe you – know, you still want to stop the run, obviously, but I think your attention kind of focuses to – the Robert Woods of the world. Mm-hmm. The uh, I know Cooper Cup was hurt, but the Cooper Cups of the world. You know all those guys that that made that offense kind of quote unquote dynamic. Maybe we want to do a little bit better job on golf and and you know bumping the receivers and and rerouting receivers and we want to focus on that and we'll give up some yards running to C.J. Anderson because he can't hurt us with the big play. You know how you and like to st- not- you know how you like to yeah. steal my stuff. You know, yeah. intellectual property and all that? Yeah. Well, yeah. here's one that you can use, okay? Okay, all right. The running game only matters if you have the passing game to make it matter. Right. Okay. Well, the passing game only matters if you have the running game. No, the no, passing no, game no, only no, matters no. If you have the-, the running game only – okay, you, 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 you talk to me. You give me a team that builds its offense around running the football, and I'm going to tell you it's only going to be a top-scoring NFL offense if they have the passing game. To make it matter. Like, I could give you a team last year like the uh, Buffalo Bills. They were in the top ten in rushing last year. Uh-huh. What did it matter? They didn't have the quarterback to make it matter. Here in Denver, the Broncos were have been 12th in rushing the last two years. Right. Quarterback play, they, they don't get the most out of it. Yeah, sometimes sometimes those numbers do get skewed. Like, like when you say, hey, the Broncos had a, 12, a top 12 rushing game, and, and – my thing is like, hey, when you know you don't have a quarterback that's going to hurt you, you know what defense like players, like how do defensive players go to the Pro Bowl, Mike? 
like front seven players. How do defensive front seven players go to the Pro Bowl? Sacks. Sacking quarterback, right? Yeah. It's easy. Everybody looks at Sacks and go, oh, that guy must be great, you know, center to the Pro Bowl. And so what ends up happening to, to teams is they're like, yeah, you know what, we're uh, we're going to play the run on the way to the quarterback. And so sometimes you can get some really inflated rushing numbers because, you know, they don't really have a quarterback or they don't really have a passing game that can really torch them. So every time they line up against the Broncos or one of those teams, you're like, this is the time to make hay. Like, if I can come out of this game with three or four sacks, then all of a sudden I got a chance to go to the Pro Bowl, right? And so oftentimes in those offenses, that 12th rank in the rushing game is really hollow yards. You know, it's third down and it's third down and six, and the uh, the the coordinator's calling a draw because you know your quarterback sucks, right? So you're calling a draw, and the defense is just rushing the passer because they want to get sacks. And all of a sudden, you pop one, you know, for you you pop one for 15 or 22 yards, right? And at the end of the day, you do that three times, even though you averaged on every other carry 1.26 yards per carry. You had a 20-yard run, a 30-yard run, a 15-yard run, and a 17-yard run. And you're like, hey, we had 142 yards rushing. And you're like, yeah, you guys actually suck. Um, I think there's some hollow numbers in that. I think it's a good point. I think you're – I'll give you that. That's a good point. And, you know, in the first time, like my rule of thumb – when I'm stealing your stuff, well, when I'm stealing other people's stuff, my rule of thumb for you is different because, you know, you've signed a contract with me. You you are my intellectual property. So anything you say is automatically mine. But in normal circumstances, the first time I steal your stuff, I say, hey, you know, Mike Evans told me this. The second time I say, hey, this guy I know used to <laughs> say this all the time. Then the third time I just take it. So, but with you, I can just kind of take it. So I appreciate that. That will come out in a uh, television broadcast uh, near you at uh, some point in the very well, near Well, speaking of TV, I love watching you on FS1, and mm-hmm. you were uh, you, you were on what, what show was it yesterday that you were uh, speak for yourself? Speak maybe? for yourself, I think it was, and you were just mm-hmm. dropping straight Mike Tomlin knowledge about this one year extension. And, and what right. it means and and all the kind of, uh, you know, beneath the surface messages that kind of go along with this deal. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, we had this argument and I, I like a couple of guys on, you know, a couple of guys on the show, uh, Jason Whitlock in particular, thought that they should have just left Mike Tomlin without that extension, just left him in. He has this year in, in 2020. Now he's got to 2021. But he said, just leave him on the hot seat. You know, it's most important. And, and you know, I just disagree. I just disagree with that philosophical approach. Like, he'll be better on the hot seat, and he'll coach better, and, you know, he'll be more – whatever, whatever your, your philosophical approach is to that. But my point is this with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Continuity – with that organization, has always been something that they covet. It's always been something that they wanted to preach as an ownership group. The Roonies are all about the continuity and who is in charge of the organization, ultimately giving the coach um, giving the coach ultimate authority. And, and they've always operated their organization that way. Think about this, Mike. Like here in Denver, how many coaches have we had now in the last – we had Fox – like, we had John Fox, we had Gary Kubiak, we had Vance Joseph, and now we've got Vic Fangio 
all in like a, a five or six year span, right? Yeah. Think about the think about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Since I was born, there's been three coaches. Chuck Knoll, I'm fifty three years old. Chuck Knoll, um, there's Bill Cower and Mike Tomlin. In my lifetime, they've had three coaches. We've had what, four coaches in the last five years in Denver? Or six years? Incredible stability. Incredible stability. And so, to me, what they've done with Tomlin here is Tomlin has been emasculated because of the players. Now, some of it's his fault, Mike. Some of it's his fault. But the players that they have rewarded, the players that they've had on their roster with Le'Veon Bell and with Antonio Brown, he was emasculated in his own organization. Those guys were running the show. Those guys were acting out. Those guys were a problem. And there's no question. I mean, Antonio Brown, I think, was a fifth rounder, and all of a sudden he became a star, and he completely flipped. I mean, he went crazy this offseason just so he could get traded, and it worked for him. And and like we talked about, I think he's empowered other players to kind of make these power plays, if you will. But one of the problems with Mike Tomlin has been, and I've gotten this from multiple players that have played for the Pittsburgh Steelers, okay? Uh, multiple players have told me this. Guys that that have played and are still playing there. One of Mike Tomlin's mantras was, I'm going to put up with it until I can replace it. Well, you want to talk about giving your players the opportunity to kick you square in the yarbles. Because how do you replace the production of Antonio Brown? You can't. You you can't. So Mike Tomlin essentially cut off his nose to spite his face, right? I mean, he gave you the authority as a player that, hey, I can't replace you, so now I can't hold you accountable. And so he let Antonio Brown – now, there's no question Antonio's work ethic is unbelievable, like practice habits and all that stuff. But showing up late all the time, missing meetings, showing up like, you know, 20 minutes before kickoff. You know, I mean, stuff that has gone on that is that is fairly well – if it's not well documented, it's fairly well talked about um, in the inner circles, right? You hear about it all the time. So he allowed that to happen within his organization. And he – emasculated he let players within that organization and the and the Pittsburgh Steelers continue to pay those players and give them power those guys emasculated him they they circumvented his authority this to me is the Pittsburgh Steelers organization saying we're giving you back authority within your locker room now it's up to you here's a one-year extension on the two years you already have you match up with Ben Roethlisberger neither of you have the best most stellar reputation going into the season so you best find a way to heal whatever differences you have develop this uh kind of kind of hip-to-hip relationship that you better you guys better be tied at the hip and you guys better go down this thing together because you need to rely on one another and, and to me this is a, a way of the Pittsburgh Steelers organization saying God we have reinstated your authority here it is what are you going to do with it and you know what I think it's going to pay off I here are words that you never would associate with the Steelers I think the Steelers are a dark horse this year. Right. I, I really do. With all the attention that's being lavished, all the hype that's being thrown at Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns and the Chiefs and the Chargers and, of course, the Patriots, the, the Steelers, I think it's just, well, it's just assumed that they're going to have a dramatic fall off because of no A.B. and no Le'Veon Bell. I, I'm not I'm not 
I'm not writing them off yet. Uh, and I think a, I think all these things that you just talked about c- could really be a unifying force. I I think I, I'm I'm right there with you. I think the the Steelers. I think they they walk in this division. Walk? I think, really? Yeah, I think they. Oh yeah. I think they walk in this division. I think they win the division. I'm 100% with you. I think Mike Tomlin cleans things up and holds guys accountable, reestablishes the discipline that we all thought he was. Like that, when he came in, they were going to Super Bowls. Like he was a must-listen to in the press conference. And at some point, the press conferences were still really good, but everybody kind of rolled their eyes when he talked about you know, he's you like, we're going to defend every blade of grass, you know. And he's, I mean, he's got great stuff, right? But I, I think people just looked at him like, yeah, whatever, dude, you're not in charge. And I think they have said as an organization, we put you back in charge. We put you in an untenable situation with the players that we continue to reward for bad behavior. You allowed it to, but we're in this thing together. Now, here it is. One-year extension to go on the two years you already have. You are the man. Now go operate efficiently. So I'm with you. I think this is a perfect situation for them to bounce back, to rebound without all the noise within the organization, Mike. I think it's big time for them. And then, you know, all the hype with the Cleveland Browns. Like, I just know human nature, right? It's it, it's much easier to respond to adversity than it is to respond to the expectations. And you start reading the press clippings. I mean, so many people have the Cleveland Browns you know, winning championships. I heard Freddie Kitchens come out the other day and goes, hey, it's always about, you know, it always is about and it always will be about winning Super Bowls as long as I'm the coach. You know the last time you won the division? Do you know the last time the Browns won the division? Oh, it was like 20 years ago, wasn't it? 1989. It wasn't the AFC North. It was the AFC Central at the time. Do you know who's won the AFC Central slash North since the Cincinnati Bengals? The Houston Oilers. I mean, the Cleveland Browns. The Houston Oilers have won it. The Bengals have won it. The Tennessee Titans have won it. (laughs) They're in the South now. And the Jacksonville Jaguars have won it. They're also in the South since the last time Cleveland won it. There's no question that they're an exceptionally talented football team but let me just tell you this character is what drives talent towards greatness that equation cannot be flipped around talent never drives character talent is wasted on talented people so i'm just gonna hold i like i'm not holding my breath to see this team like there's a lot of talent there's no question about it can that talent actually sacrifice for one another or is that too talent too busy trying to build a brand while you know it's it's playing football yeah before we uh, talk about being championship driven let's go let's finish over 500 shall we cleveland let's do, you know, let's, do let's do that first okay do you know that in our back-to-back championships here in denver when when i was in denver under mike shanahan we never mentioned the super bowl you know what our goal was to win the division and to get a home playoff bye yeah that was it yep. the, the super bowl didn't come up it just didn't. We didn't say, "Hey, we're going into this thing." We're like the goal is always like you, you always talk. You always hey, the goal's out there. It's the Super Bowl, but to get there, 
let's let's win our division. If we win our division, it gives us a much better chance. But we didn't talk about winning. So we talked about winning our division and getting a home playoff game. You know, it's interesting. A, a bye. Interesting you say that because I, I think that's always been the Patriots' mantra over the last uh, you know what couple of decades. It's all about win the division first, take care of business. That's the first check, right? And then try to get in a position where you have that uh, first round bye. And we know how crucial that's been to them. Speaking of which. I know your Brady radar is always up. Yeah. So have have you picked up on this idea, this 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 sentiment that seems to be out there that people seem to be in a hurry to get Brady retired? It, it you know what? I was on a national show, national radio show the other day, arguing with the host of that national radio show who was like that Brady wants a new contract. Now I haven't heard Brady say he wanted a new contract, but he wants a new contract, and they're not giving it to him. And this is the first time he's ever gone in the last year of his contract in 20 years. He He's in the last year, and it, it just shows you that they want to get rid of him. And I go, well, what, like, one, who do they got? Who's going to replace him? Well, that guy is in San Francisco. Yeah, he is. He's uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. He's in San- So who's going to replace him now? What do they got now? Jared like, Stidham. Right. Like, why – like, why are we so, in such a hurry? Like, he is kicking father's asses, you know, or father time's ass. He's kicking at the ass of father time. And, and we're, like, jealous that we're not. Well, I am. But most of you aren't, is what I'm saying. And, like, you're upset about that. Why? Like, well, he's, you know, he, uh, like, this national host goes, well, he fell off. He really didn't have a, a great Super Bowl. Yeah, you know what? In the fourth quarter, when he needed to make a play, he threw one over the top to Rob Gronkowski and put him first and goal inside the five. I do remember that. Like, he didn't have to be great all season long. You know what he has to do? Manage the game and make enough plays in the fourth quarter to win us a ball game. Uh, go, well, he maybe he wasn't that great in the Super Bowl. Go back and watch that AFC Championship game against the Chiefs at Arrowhead. And then, yeah, and then report just, back to me. You know what it is, Mark? I think there's a couple things. I was I was thinking about this. A couple things. I think one, there is a sense of just been there, done that. Uh, what what else can this guy accomplish? How else can he thrill us? Or you know, what 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 does he have left in a way that's just mm-hmm. going to make us sit back and go, oh my god? So there there's a sense of that. You know, we're always on to the next big thing. Uh, right. And I think there's also here's here's my underrated part of it. See what you think about this. I think that there is a there is a there, there's a real curiosity out there to see what the Patriots will look like without Brady. And has it all been Brady? Has it been Belichick? And I've, I've told you this before. I, I hope and pray to the football gods that Bill Belichick coaches the Patriots at least five years beyond Tom Brady leaving. Because I just want to see what it looks like. Does mm-hmm. Belichick not miss a beat? Does he just plug somebody else in there and continue to win? Or does it become painfully obvious that, yeah, it was Brady. It was Brady all along. So I think that there's there's a curiosity to almost start to get on with that. Yeah, to, to move on. Let's move on off of Brady. Here, Here's what I think, you know, I, like – People are like tarnishing legacies and, you know, they bring back, hey, remember Michael Jordan wasn't the same guy that he was when he went back to Washington, you know, and 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 I'm like, who gives a shit, right? I like, I think that when you're a competitor, like the things that, that impress me about Brady is you've had as much success as you've had and human nature when you've had that much success is to rest on your laurels, right? To not be as driven as you once were. 
the, the thing that amazes me is how driven, how, how you're not sated by your success, how driven you still are at this age to compete. Like one of the things that, that people always kind of like, I'm, I'm traveling around the, the country speaking at corporate events and stuff. And, you know, one of the things that people always ask me about is kind of my injury history and and like how I overcame that and, and how I played. Like when you're a competitor, man, you're always looking for an opportunity to compete. And for me, it wasn't just playing the game. Like, anybody can play the game when they feel good. I feel like, shit, I can't walk, and I'm going to go out here and whip somebody's ass. And that's because that competitor in me was driven. Like, if I felt great, I, you know, could you imagine how easy this game would be? So there was a competition, a self-competition, with me, you know, overcoming my injuries. I mean, I've shown up to games, Mike, where Monday, or, or excuse me, where Saturday before the Sunday game, I w- my knee was so bad that I couldn't even go through the walkthrough. I couldn't participate in the walkthrough. And I went out on Sunday and, and just dispensed freaking justice. Like, there's a competition that goes in. So the reason I bring that up is not to talk about myself, although I love it because I'm my favorite topic. God, do but the you. Reason, You're good at it, too. Yeah, thank you. But the reason I brought that up is because it would be easy for Brady to walk away. I'm the greatest of all time. Why tarnish that legacy? Why? Because I'm a freaking competitor. And I want to see how well I can play when the odds are stacked against me, not just when they're for me. And the same thing with Michael Jordan. Like, yeah, it's it's much easier. Like, that's human nature, right? That's the way we most of us, we take it out. Right? Like, we take it off. Like, well, I don't want to put myself in that situation because I'm not as good, that, you know? Like, screw that. I want to see how good I can be against the odds. See, I look at it. I look at it a little differently. I don't want Brady to make it easy on everybody else in the AFC East and the AFC. I want I want somebody to come along. Part of the fascination for me as a fan is I want to see somebody. Can somebody stand up to them? Can somebody knock him off his perch? Can somebody develop a set of balls in the AFC East and actually challenge these guys? And can somebody in the AFC, whether it's the Chiefs or the Steelers or all these teams that just, you know, piddle down their legs at the at the side of Brady and Belichick, can can one of them at least nut up? So the last thing I want to see is Brady walk away and mm. let these guys off the hook. Right. Part of the part of the intrigue for me is Hey, is there somebody out there ready to step up, rise up, and knock the knock these guys off their throne? I love it. I, I mean, I, I, I both of those the, both those points. You know, your your point, my point is like, hey, man, like I always say, man, if it, like I I tell my son this all the time, is he still, you know, he's still playing baseball and he's still trying to get signed. He's, I mean, he's he's but I'm so proud of him, man. He is busting his ass in the independent leagues and he's pitching great and. You know, the game has changed, and nobody's given him an opportunity, and he's basically kind of up yours. I'm just going to continue to do it. And, and you know, I, I, I love that. I love that competitive. It's easier to walk away, right? It's easy. But I, I, I tell you, I just love that, you know, if it were easy, I always tell my son, if it were easy, your, your, your critics would be doing it. You know, the people that are like, oh, you're no good anymore. Like, F you, right? I, I mean, that's – and that to me is is the thing that fascinates me about Brady. Like, he's got every pelt on the wall that you could possibly have. 
And and the smart thing to do, the reasonable thing to do, the easy thing to do is don't tarnish your legacy by going out and having a, a year where you're not as quite as good. Like, F that, man. I'm going to go out and compete. That's what. I, that, that's the way I'm. I'm wired. I, I just find it fascinating. And like I said, man, um, I just think it's. I think it's cool. So yeah, that, that you know, you just you kind of hit a little nerve there because that that bugs me too. Is the idea that somehow these great athletes owe it to us to go out in a way that they don't do anything to tarnish our memories of them. Okay, right. we don't want to see Willie Mays stumbling around in center field. We don't want to see Joe Namath unable to get out of his own way. We don't want to see uh, Michael Jordan hoisting, you know, fallaway jumpers all the time. Okay, but you know what? Screw us! It's not our li- it's not our life. It's their lives, and they only right. get one. They only get one crack at this. They only get one chance at this, and. Yeah, okay, so maybe the day comes where they're not playing at the level that they used to. Are they still having fun? Do they still enjoy the camaraderie of being around the fellas? Do they still enjoy the thrill that goes out with running out on the field and hearing 75,000 people cheer? Uh, Do they still enjoy the money? You know, all those things. Who are we? Who the heck are we to say, "Uh, uh, uh, uh-uh-uh-uh-uh, no, 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 no. You got to go out on our terms, not yours. Right. Brady doesn't need the money. Hell, his wife makes more than he does, right? He didn't need the money, man. I, I just, I look at it and I just, I applaud guys that continue to live kind of through their passion and, and like, regardless of what the legacy at the end of the, like, again, like you said, man, I'm not, I'm not playing this to make sure that your memories of me are good. Right. I'm playing this because I love it. I love it. And even if I slip off, I may slip off. It's like that Toby Keith song. I'm not as good as I once was, but I'm as good once as I ever was. Like, all I need is that once. Right? All I need is that drive in the fourth quarter, and I guess what I'm doing? I'm hoisting up another Super Bowl, and you're going, yeah, well, you weren't as good in the first three quarters. And you know what I'll do with that Super Bowl trophy? I'll shove it right up your can. <laughs> That's what I'll do. That's what you'll so, do. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, I'm a big fan, and I can't wait to celebrate Tom Brady's birthday. It's in August. <laughs> I may have a little Tom Brady cake. Like I, I said, folks, like door. I said, the, 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 the Brady radar is always up. It's always you know, ping- I, I, it's always pinging. I I you know what I do? I get myself a Brady cake. Happy birthday, Tom! <laughs> Happy birthday, Tommy! Blow out a wish. Blow out a candle. Yeah, put the I candles hope he keeps on. Playing. Well, the first thing, first thing, I, I put the candles on. I don't light them yet. I walk into my study. I set it down, and then I put a tie around the doorknob, and I say, "Honey, don't come in here for about an hour. I'm gonna be celebrating Tom's birthday." <laughs> Just in there naked eating oh, a cake. It's geez. just delicious. Oh my god, we did not need that visual, especially <laughs> since especially since we're done. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, for everybody involved with the Sticky Truth Podcast, for Mike, myself, for Scott, thank you so much for listening. I'd like to thank our corporate, uh, our, our presenting corporate sponsor. That's the fine folks over at Core Water. For more information, hydratewithcore.com.